The White House Correspondents' Dinner is this weekend, and Biden is showing up. And Hollywood is also coming. John Legend and Chrissy Teigen, Rosaria Dawson, Jerry O'Connell, John Leguizamo, and Lisa Vanderpump are all going to be at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is kicking off the event by recording a video. How quickly we forget, don't we? Remember when the White House Correspondents' Association did some serious soul searching four years ago and decided no more comedy, no more Hollywood royalty, no more glitz, no more merging journalism with show business. But here they are. They're, they're asking Arnold to record a video to kick off this year's White House Correspondents' Dinner. The bad actor turned even worse governor is opening the White House Correspondents' Dinner. That's a great message from the White House Correspondents' Association, right? They promise no more merging of the serious business of journalism with show business. And uh, Arnold is kicking it off. Apparently, the White House Correspondents' Association did some soul searching and they came up empty. They couldn't find a soul. It's going to be flashier and show busier than ever before. And of course, you know, they'll talk about the First Amendment. Uh, they'll mention the Wall Street Journal reporter being held in Russia. But nobody would dare ask Joe Biden to halt the extradition of Julian Assange. That's the real First Amendment issue that the White House Correspondents Association should be concerned about. They'll just laugh it up, get drunk, go to after parties and then after parties of after parties. And, you know, we'll hear nothing about Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security allowing CoreCivic, the for profit prison company, to put uh, undocumented immigrants in solitary confinement for weeks on end serving them food you'd eat in a concentration camp. See, if you bring up core civic, putting asylum seekers in solitary confinement for weeks on end and feeding them food you'd eat in a concentration camp, that would go against the entire spirit of the night. Yep, the American people can't stand any of these people in Washington, D.C. They can't stand any of them. But like the Central American refugees in our for-profit prisons, this is all you get. Biden's running again. We don't want him to. Trump is running again. We don't want him to. But all we get is a can of spaghetti. Or if we don't like the can of spaghetti, you can have last night's chipped beef. That's it. If you're hungry, you'll eat it because it doesn't matter what you want. It just doesn't matter. Do you know we're putting refugees in solitary confinement in for-profit prisons? The Intercept wrote about that this week. What, what is more important than that story? The beacon of democracy, the Statue of Liberty. We're putting refugees in solitary confinement in for-profit prisons, core civic the Intercept talked about it, but let's all throw a big party 
for the White House Correspondents Association. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. It's been too long. Peter B. Collins joins us. He's a Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer, and it's great to see you again. David, it's great to be back with you. You look and great. I brought my Chloe because I learned that when I've appeared on any kind of a video podcast, that people tune in for the dog. Yes, they do. And they go, oh, she's so cute. And then, you, you know, you might be able to get people to listen to me for five or ten minutes. <laughs> what, what kind of dog is that? Chloe is called a Coton de Tuléar. Oh, you don't need to curse in French. What kind of dog is she? Coton is the French word for cotton. And Tuléar is a town in Madagascar. Wow. And the Coton de Tuléar is an offshoot of the Bijan family via Madagascar. But Chloe actually came from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Ah, she's beautiful. I was reading Thanks. I was reading somewhere that like 300 years ago people didn't breed dogs, that dogs were just dogs. They didn't Is that true? I think so. This is a new phenomenon of categorizing them and anyway, let, let's talk. It's been a while. It's great to see you. Let's talk about Joe Biden, and then we'll get to Tucker Carlson and, and Fox News. Joe Biden on Tuesday or Wednesday said he's in, he's running for re-election. His only opposition is Robert Kennedy Jr., an anti-vaxxer, and Marion Williamson, who's right on all the issues. There's just one little problem. She can't get elected. Uh, anybody else challenging him? Bernie says he's not going to run. So we're best case scenario. He gets reelected. That's the best case. That's all we're being offered right now. Right. Well, I think it's a high risk scenario. And the the issues are uh, that polling shows that 65 percent of Americans don't want Joe Biden to run for a second term. And only 60% don't want Trump to run for another term. Right. And when you break it down and you look at the strengths that Trump enjoys in his right-wing base, how that extrapolates into the Republican Party, where he has a stranglehold, uh, the old line from LBJ is when you have a man by the balls, his heart and mind will surely follow. Mm -hmm. And Trump has the Republicans by the balls and they are unwilling to shake him off. You know, there are a few outliers like uh, Chris Sununu, like Asa Hutchinson uh, and, uh, you know, Nikki Haley is trying to figure out how she can be a lot like Trump, but not, you know, really hug him too tightly. And none of these people has the traction to uh, really get anywhere. And so the, the problem that Biden is confronting is that also because of his age, people immediately look at Kamala Harris and say, well, <laughs> can we accept that if, if Biden 
is incapacitated or dies during his second term or even before the end of his first term, uh, can, we, can we live with Kamala Harris? And most people, including most Democrats, uh, don't feel so good about Kamala Harris. And so her negatives are actually just an inch or two higher than Joe Biden, who is still at, at, in the low 40s. Uh, and the Democrats have done a decent job of messaging the uh, perceived or the alleged successes of Joe Biden during his first two years. Of course, they inflate the impact of the Anti-Inflation Act. They inflate the impact of the infrastructure bill uh, both of which would have been much more significant if Joe Manchin and uh, Kirsten Sinema, who's no longer a Democrat, uh, didn't get in the way. So he's got a pretty thin record to run on. He's got a lot of negatives in foreign policy, uh, Afghanistan, the withdrawal is back in the picture as uh, we look at the, the problems in Sudan and uh, the inability of the U.S. to evacuate Americans who are there when other countries, including Ukraine, have, have managed to, to do so. Uh, he is saddled with a bad foreign policy team that has made things worse by ignoring the extremism in Israel, by being outflanked by China with the deal that uh, they have made bringing Iran and the Saudis together. And, and so, uh, you know, when you look at all facets of this uh, rough diamond, uh, Joe Biden has, has a lot of problems to overcome. Now, you mentioned RFK Jr., and it's not inaccurate to label him as anti-vax. He was a critic of vaccines before COVID uh, came into our lives. And it is, uh, I think, unfortunate that that is his best known position. But it's interesting that just by announcing that he's willing to run in the primaries against Joe Biden, and because he has a magical name that is, uh, you know, tinged with Camelot mythology, uh, he's already polling at 19%. And this was That's interesting. On this was reported on CNN last night. Like, oh, what the fuck's wrong? Holy <laughs> cow, we, we got to do something about it. We got to destroy him. We can't have this. And and so let me talk a little bit about RFK Jr. I have met him on several occasions. I have emceed events where he was the speaker. He's a very smart man. And incredibly an charismatic. It's It's almost like saying his father. Uh, yes and no. Right. Uh, uh, because he's a Kennedy, he does have a lot of uh, assigned charisma. But in fact, because of the defect in his voice, and you know, he he says that that occurred when his father died, and his vocal cords have never recovered. And I understand that, but it makes him very hard to listen to, and you feel like. He is about to pass out because it's so difficult for him to speak. And at this one event where I emceed his speech, which was about climate change, uh, 
he went through so much water that I brought out a five gallon jug uh, from backstage to keep filling his, his wow. large glass. And well, he is a water keeper. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I appreciate that. Uh, what he did to, to try to clean up the Hudson mm-hmm. and to hold uh, General Electric uh, to uh, account for that, uh, that is a signal accomplishment. His credentials on climate change are not uh, where, where I would like them to be. He has made some compromises and, uh, you know, his, his, there, there's a movie that was made by uh, a friend of Michael Moore's that uh, upset a lot of people. But it showed that even Bill McKibben uh, is, is not pure when it comes to uh, compromising and, uh, you know, what some people see as selling out over climate. But one of the things that I've noticed is that Bobby Kennedy Jr. has a zero sense of humor. He is so intense and, you know, he could conduct a pretty good debate with Joe Biden. Uh, I, I don't think that he has a strong political base beyond his name recognition and his environmental uh, record. The part about anti-vax is going to be a real problem for him. And I say this as somebody who respects his right to disagree, his right to speak out, his right to advocate. Uh, And when you dive into the world of vaccines, you know, they're supposed to produce immunity among humans. But the one uh, intractable immunity that vaccine makers enjoy is that they are immune from lawsuits. There was an act of Congress that gave them immunity in exchange for taking on the liability of vaccines. There is a secret vaccine court. It's even more secret than the FISA court. And if you are injured provably by a vaccine, you go to that court and they give you money and they gag you for life. That is a problem. And so I'm in touch with a number of people who I don't fully agree with, but who I respect, who talk about it in terms of vaccine safety. They don't like the anti-vax label because most of them are not against all vaccines. And when the mRNA, uh, uh, you know, technically it's not a vaccine, it is a treatment that uh, prevents the COVID virus from attaching those tentacles in the human body. It's not a traditional vaccine where you get a dose of a a virus and it, it builds permanent immunities in that human. So when you look at the way uh, COVID evolved, the way Trump politicized it and tried to just crush it and make it go away by trotting out Anthony Fauci every day, uh, and and we know that that Fauci did cover up the, uh, uh, the gain of function research that was underway about 
COVID-19 and that some of his buddies helped do that. We were not allowed to talk about that. It was like under penalty of death to debate the issues of the uh, coronavirus epidemic and its origin uh, for several years. And now those uh, limits, those restrictions are off. And we do have, you know, a fairly robust discussion. There have been different government agencies that have weighed in on their theories of the origin. I don't pretend to know at this stage exactly where COVID came from or escaped from or how it became a pandemic. But I do fight for RFK Jr.'s right to disagree and to express his dissent, even in the midst of the pandemic. And uh, at the same time, the political realist in me knows that he will never escape the corporate media's tag that he was anti-vax and therefore must be dismissed, he must be canceled. So when I look at this, I don't feel that RFK Jr. can get much further than the 19 or 20 percent uh, bounce that he has received up to this point. And at the same time, I welcome any meaningful uh, challenge to Joe Biden, because if he dies, if he loses to Trump, uh, we're going to learn the hard way what a bad bet this was. And the polling, you know, isn't perfect, but it's pretty consistent that most people you know, we'll have to be dragged kicking and screaming to vote for Biden. So I, now, I so let me let me ask you a couple questions about this. The polling shows that more Americans don't want Biden to run than they don't want Trump to run. But mm -hmm. in the general election, there are no polls showing Trump beating Biden. Right. That that all, all the polls show Money on the table, Biden beats Trump. Well, uh, that's those are the polls I read, at least. OK, since I retired, uh, some people have not taken taken me off their email list. One of them is the national polling organization called Ipsos. And just today they sent me their latest uh, results. And directly to your question, in a general election map up, uh, matchup, I'm sorry, uh, it's a two-point margin, 38 for Biden, 36 for Trump. And they are, you know, leaving open the possibility that a third-party candidate might surface, uh, and it could change uh, the, the calculation here and the split. But at this point, because of the negatives that Biden carries, because Jim Jordan has not pulled the trigger on his Hunter Biden investigation. I think that just like uh, the best indictments of Trump are going to, for whatever reason, fall much closer to the election cycle than they should have. And I'm talking to you, Fonnie Willis in Atlanta, <laughs> why you're waiting until July or August to convene that second grand jury and issue the indictments for Trump and the others who clearly committed crimes trying to uh, belatedly rig the election results in Georgia 
I don't understand. But I believe that the Republicans are laying in wait and that they will spring whatever they have to spring about Hunter Biden, about Joe's brother Jim, and the grift that they have been practicing for decades. Now, their grift, in my view, is not quite as stinky as the Trump grift. <laughs> but it's a matter of whose nose is whiffing. <laughs> right. Well, let me let me ask you two questions about that. Hunter Biden. Is Jim Jordan not pulling the trigger on Hunter Biden because it doesn't poll well? Isn't there a lot of sympathy for Hunter Biden? He's a crack addict. I, I've made some jokes about his being a crack addict on this show and people get very upset. We all have relatives and close friends who are addicts. Uh, you're beating up Jim Jordan. As I understand it, the polling is not good on beating up on Hunter Biden. He's not an elected official. There's a lot of sympathy. Uh, is that one of the reasons you think? Or you, you, you think they're waiting closer to the general election? I think they are. I think it's a matter of timing. And th th there's enough to smear him with. Right. And uh, I, I understand your point about the crack addict, but that doesn't explain the attempt to uh, cut a deal with uh, Chinese investors where Hunter and his buddies did collect $5 million. It pales in comparison to the $2 billion that Jared has picked up from MBS, who overruled all of his financial advisors who run the Sovereign Wealth Fund in Saudi Arabia to pump $2 billion into investments with Jared that we know nothing about. But we, we have to look at the way propaganda operates. And, you know, there, there are fact sets that are embarrassing to the Bidens and to the Trumps. But look at how Trump has played the New York indictment. And I, I believe he inflates the numbers of the money that he's collected from his dupes. But he has enjoyed a bounce in the polls. He's able to punch down on Ron DeSantis and has, uh, you know, pretty well neutralized his threat at this stage. And uh, nobody else is even coming close. So the ability of Trump to capitalize on his what we would think are his vulnerabilities and the difficult position that that Biden will be in if Merrick Garland does, in fact, uh, produce some indictments of Hunter. Uh, you know, it, I believe it will hurt Biden more than it will hurt the Trumps. And, and so, you know, we're not just dealing in some sort of a, a rational uh, uh, universe here where we can say, oh, you know, uh, Burisma was almost 10 years ago. Uh, and, you know, Hunter wasn't an elected official, but he called the State Department to try to help the his his Burisma sponsor when when shit hit the fan there. Who, who called Hunter or Joe? Hunter. Hunter right. Did. But he was also a crack addict. I mean, we all do a lot of crazy things when we're on crack. That's going to be the justification that you can't hold somebody accountable for their actions when they're under the influence. That's that's what he's. 
he's going to uh, compl- uh, what he's going to claim. With fan- I just want to say we have uh, seven minutes left, so I want to get to Fox News with Fannie Willis in Fulton County, the district attorney. Uh, you cannot prosecute a former president in this country, no matter how guilty he is. To pull the trigger on an indictment is monumental and consequential. I would assume there are some voices in her ear telling her, what what are you doing here? You can't do this. Uh, Not just from Republicans, but from Democrats who say, what's to stop local DAs from prosecuting Biden? You're opening up a can here that uh, will not be good for Democrats. We're just as corrupt. Do you think that's the problem? Well, I, I think it's unfortunate that the uh, Alvin Bragg, uh, you know, indictment came first because it does give people an opportunity to just bat it away and say, you know, I'm sorry, that's old news and hush money and who cares. But, you know, Trump now calls his phone call to Raffensperger in Georgia a perfect phone call. <laughs> and he committed a crime. And out in all, the open. We all heard it. It's out in the open. There, there's no well, a five year old knows that's a crime. It was a pathetic crime because it occurred on January 3rd of 2021 when it was absolutely too late, absolutely too late for his buddies in Georgia to do anything. They had already tried to rig the election before the election and they failed. And and so I really think she has no choice but to bring the charges. I just can't believe that she waited so long because she's had the evidence for, uh, you know, in my view, a year. And uh, I I just think that it's going to then become a political story and Trump will be able to use it to play the victim once again. So, David, if if I may. I just want to say one follow up and then we have to. We have to wrap up. I remember living in Los Angeles when Rodney King was brutally beaten by the L.A. police force. And they played that video every night. And I remember getting a phone call that uh, they were acquitted. You know, if, if the Rodney King video doesn't put those cops in prison, who's to say that perfect phone call that we've all heard won't lock up Donald Trump. You just, it's not that simple to get a conviction in this country. Go ahead. Well, please. I wanted to set up this, this brief clip uh, and explain my point here. We all know that, that Fox has been caught lying and that Fox has been exposed with a $780 million settlement Uh, as not a news organization. And I watched critically as CNN and MSNBC reported this and never took a moment to acknowledge that they have gotten things wrong and that they've never apologized for them. And, you know, I heard uh, people like Rachel Maddow and like uh, Jake Tapper uh, say, what, no apology? 
There's no apology in this settlement. Dominion didn't get Fox to admit what they did. And we have a problem here where CNN and MSNBC, in the depths of Russiagate, and this was 2016 through 2018, as they waited for St. Bob Mueller to deliver uh, the, <laughs> the hammer drop that never happened, and one of the things that has come out of the, the Twitter files, there are people who dismiss it because they don't like Matt Taib. There are people who dismiss the Twitter files because they don't like Elon Musk. And they think that he has ginned this up for some reason. But the Twitter files show things like the cover-up of Hunter Biden's laptop, the story that broke in October of 2020. And yes, it was intended as a Rudy Giuliani dirty trick. But the fact is, when 50 former intelligence officials signed on to a letter claiming that it was Russian disinformation, that was a lie. And that was repeated by CNN and MSNBC, and they have never uh, repudiated it. Let me just respond. Let me, let me respond. Let me respond. Because we, we have to, we ha I haven't seen you. This, this is, uh, let's do this next week. Let me just say that Twitter's policy was not to release any material that has been hacked. Hunter Biden's laptop was hacked. No, and, no, it wasn't. It was in, it was hacked. It was opened up. It was presented to the New York Post as uh, broken into by the uh, the owner of the repair shop and then handed to Rudy Giuliani. And the policy under the previous owners of Twitter was we do not traffic in hacked. That was the official policy. We do not traffic in hacked information. It's bullshit. But they, but they there was information. Uh, they, they they still do that. There was there was information about uh, Elon Musk that was hacked. So it was banned from Twitter. They don't spread hacked material. That is the official <laughs> policy of Twitter. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, that's not credible. So here's what I would like to just in, okay. in wrapping up and trying. Obviously, to you and I need to talk more often. This this video came from Matt or or Ophelia, I think is his name. He worked with uh, Matt Taibbi, uh, Barry Weiss, who I don't agree with very much, but I consider her a credible reporter, uh, and uh, uh, Lee Fung, whose name Lee is Fang. Lee Fang. He pronounces it Fung. Well, I've he's, well he's wrong. <laughs> Lee, Lee Fung is a straight up investigator. Yes, he is. He's been on this show. He's fantastic. And I, I have deep respect for him. So one of the things that they discovered is that the Hamilton 68 dashboard, which was presented as this independent way of identifying the activity of Russian bots in American media, in particular at Twitter, was mostly a fabrication. And what Matt Orofalia did was uh, create this mashup of uh, these clips of MSNBC anchors presenting the Hamilton 68 dashboards data as fact. And what Taibbi and his colleagues showed in their research in the Twitter files is that this was completely made up 
and Twitter knew it. So uh, let me let me a, play yeah. this and then. Yeah. And let's continue this next week. This is you got my juices going. <laughs> McCarthy publicly charges that the United States is infested with foreign forces at work in our politics. And he says that he has a list of 600 Twitter accounts that appear to be linked to the Russian government. That's a lie. These Kremlin linked accounts. These Kremlin linked accounts. These Kremlin linked accounts. Russian linked accounts. Kremlin linked accounts. A foreign influence. Kremlin oriented Twitter accounts. Kremlin linked Twitter accounts. Russian linked Twitter accounts. Impersonating Americans. They are every day playing on social media. There's a website called Hamilton 68 that measures it. This Russian influence tracker on Twitter. The Russian dashboard is a real-time dashboard of Russian influence. You know, the Russian networks that we monitor. Accounts allegedly linked to bots and trolls that are linked to Russia. Russia linked accounts and bots according to a Russian tracker. To track what Russian bots are doing. Kremlin linked accounts. Kremlin efforts. Kremlin attacks. The dashboard, Hamilton 68, determined that Russia was in the Alabama election. We know that the Russians were focused on this. These forensic sites show what the Russians are doing to us. Interference from Russians. These Russian intrusions Russian influenced Twitter account that the Russia were interfering. The impact of McCarthyism is felt across the United States. The Russian bot posed a grave threat to democracy. Now this data comes from Hamilton 68. That's a web dashboard and it tracks around 600 Russia link accounts and it doesn't provide the names of those accounts. I will not give those names. Because if it did, uh, the Russians could simply change them. You kidding me? Russian bots obviously connected with Russian intel agencies getting involved in a school shooting. What the hell is he talking Talking about the horrendous shooting at the high school in Florida. Russia played a role. Bots that spread false information on Twitter. When it comes to the shooting in Parkland, Florida. Russian social media bots seized on the Florida shooting. Russian trolls tweeting about Parkland. Russian bots. Okay. All right. Let's, let's continue this. Uh, you, uh, let's continue this. You don't believe, and I know you don't believe that Russia uh, is. You don't believe Russia is doing to America what we're doing to Russia? Oh, I think Russia does attempt that. Right. But in this in this case, the Hamilton 68 group is part of the Atlantic Council. It is <laughs> funded by the military industrial complex. Which is funded by the Carlisle Group. David Rubenstein owns the Carlisle Group and the Atlantic Council. And their, and, weapon, and their weapons manufacturers. And this is a source of disinformation that was treated as fact. And my biggest point is that MSNBC and CNN have never explained to their viewers that they were giving us information that was based on speculation and not on data. And it was presented as fact. And when people want to uh, be critical, and they should be, of Fox News, they have to apply the same standards to the other outlets in America, including the Times and the Post. David, thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, it was great to you got I my. Hope, I hope to join you next Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. PeterBCollins.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was great. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump.